outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, home of the modern whitetail hunter. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this week on the show, I'm joined by two new hunters that I had the privilege to mentor this year on the Back 40. And we're talking first deer stories, learning to hunt, and more. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by First Light. And today, folks, we're talking new hunter mentorship. We're going to get you updated on what's happened with the Back 40 in 2021, and then we're going to dive into a couple great stories about two new hunters that I had the privilege of helping mentor on their first successful deer hunt. So joining me today, we've got those two aforementioned new hunters, Forrest Wagner and Evan Barrett, and then we also have Hank Forrester, the director of hunting at the National Deer Association, who's the mastermind behind this field to fork mentorship program that I was doing all this through. So why should you listen to this? Well, if you're a new hunter, I'm thinking this one's going to inspire you. You're going to hear from two folks who likely went through the exact same things that you are, who struggled to figure things out, who sought out help, and who ultimately had a pretty life-changing experience. I think this conversation is going to give you some hope. I think it's going to excite you. I think it's I think it's going to motivate you. So if that's you, this is absolutely an episode you want to listen to. But on the flip side, if you're an experienced deer hunter, I think this is still going to be one. Maybe it's even more important for you because at least for me, hearing Evan and Forrest's stories, it was it was a breath of fresh air. It was it was exactly what I needed after a long season of worrying about all the minutia of deer hunting, you know, obsessing over specific deer or strategies or my goals or what's going well, what's not going well, all that kind of stuff that you get wrapped up when you're so, so into this thing. These guys helped kind of lift me out of that fog and remember, I don't know, remember why we do this stuff in the first place. Their, their stories were just, um, God, they were just really, really cool. It was, it was, it just kind of filled me with good feelings, I guess, for lack of a better word. And you know what? These days, uh, we need that kind of stuff sometimes. So that's that's my pitch. In short, I think uh, I think at least what I felt was a sense of new energy after this conversation, new excitement to get out hunting myself and help other people. And if that sounds good to you, I think you'll enjoy this one. So uh, without further ado, why don't we get into it? 
Here's my chat with Evan, Forrest, and Hank. All right. So now here with me on the show is Hank Forrester, Forrest Wagner, and Evan Barrett. We've got the field to fork crew back together again. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited to get to kind of wax nostalgic on a couple of really fun weekends we had over the course of the past, I don't know, six, seven months, I guess has been. Uh, so thank you each and every one of you for, for making time here to jump back on. Um, I want to jump right into stuff though, rather than the pleasantries, I'm just going to jump into the story <laughs> if you don't mind. And Hank, mm-hmm. you are the one I want to jump into this with first. We'll get to Evan and Forrest and your guys' stories about what led you to wanting to learn to hunt and what led you to the Field of Fork program. But Hank, you and me kicked off, well, heck, I don't know when this was. I think it was late December 2020. We hunted together on the Back 40, and we did a podcast afterwards with Nick, CEO over at the NDA, and we talked about the plan for the Back 40, how we were donating it to the National Deer Association the hopes and dreams for what would happen on the property in the months and years to come, you know, the plan to try to use this place as a, you know, as a, as a training ground for new hunters, as a, a place to help teach people about hunting, to demonstrate different things about hunting and land management and all that kind of stuff. And we kind of left that conversation that day. I think we talked in January, 2021. Then at that point about, you know, this is what we hope is going to happen. This is what we dream will happen someday. Now stuff has actually happened. So I'm hoping you can help us, you know, fill in the gaps between then and now, at least up until one hunt started. And tell me from your perspective, coming off of that conversation with the three of us and then you going out on your own, like what happened in the intervening months leading up to anybody stepping foot on the property? What kind of things had to be organized? What was the story internally for you guys at the NDA to figure out, you know, how are we going to manage this place? What are we going to do with this place? What were those next steps? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Mark. Um, you know, I wish I would have listened to that uh, podcast before we got on here today so I could remember exactly what we had said. But I think we followed the, the battle plan fairly closely. Um, we, we, of course, said that we were going to reach out and form a committee, a volunteer committee, um, to oversee the property, you know, some local, some state representatives uh, for NDA for Michigan, and of course, a few of our staff members. But we we did form a habitat committee and kind of a property management committee made up of a diverse group of guys um, in the area. And um, they've really taken the lead on, um, you know, day-to-day oversight of the property, property improvements, and really prepping it for the hunt. Um, you know, of course, there were some logistic things to figure out, um, but we did, in fact, write a, a full management plan for the property. Um, my colleague, Matt Ross, helped a lot with that from the conservation department. Uh, but, of course, a lot of our volunteers on the committee, um, either, um, you know, professionally or um, just as a passion, do a lot of land management, uh, habitat management in the local area, many long time. NDA members and many from the Southeast Michigan branch, was which is kind of local to that area. So um, we came out in March and, and you were gracious to join us again and uh, give them a kind of a personal tour of the back 40, which I know really jazzed them up and they really appreciated that. And that's kind of how they formulated the plan. They, they wanted to 
you know, maximize the potential of the Bag 44 wildlife and, and diverse wildlife, but also maximize the opportunity for new hunters to harvest their first deer. And of course, carry on the legacy that both you and Meat Eater, you know, began. And so that was a lot of what went into our, our Zoom discussions to kind of create this management plan. But a quick highlight, um, I mean, I guess I should just go, you know, through their names real quick, just to thank them for their service. But uh, we had two NDA interns that actually stayed on and uh, they were interns the semester that we kind of took over management that March and they stayed on full year and, and you know, people have seen them in the photos from the back 40 and, and they helped mentor the new hunters. I'm sure they'll come up, but Sam Hogue and uh, Xavier Austin uh, really helped us out um, in, in an intern capacity and later as a volunteer, but kind of the leads with the Southeastern Michigan rancher, Corey Francis and John Neville, Drew Gilby, um, and from kind of a state level, um, Chad Thielen and Eric Schnell helped out a lot. And so just briefly, I'll just say that, you know, we planted 18 to 20 acres of switch grass. They maintained the nine acres of food plots and added lime and fertilizer seed. Um, they added four acres of native prairie seed with forbs and wildflowers, two acres of short grass. They planted an American chestnut orchard. Um, that we're hoping we will get FDA approval for like a, a, a genetically modified American chestnut that will not be susceptible to the blight and actually create kind of a, um, you know, a foster area for, you know, chestnuts to come back in that part of Michigan. Um, you know, we're working on some water, added great, a gate and, and stuff like that. We added birdhouses to the property, uh, five Moultrie cell cameras, just um, you name it. They they put in a lot of work. They they checked on the bees for you. A lot of spraying and planting. And uh, even in in I think April or May, um, Xavier, our intern, had never killed a turkey, and they took him out there, and he got uh, the first uh, game animal off the back forty under our management, a turkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's really uh, it's you read through that so quickly. It's easy to overlook. Oh yeah, they did a bunch of stuff. Like it, it sounds like oh so easy. They planted nine acres of this. They planted twenty acres of that. They planted an acre of this. That is a ton of work. I mean, those folks put in a lot of time, and they weren't getting paid for it. I mean, these are people just volunteering. So I, I want to second what you said uh, as far as giving those volunteers kudos to to really really make a point that that was a tremendous gift of their time and energy. And their tools and their equipment and, and all that stuff. Um, it was it was really cool to get to watch that from afar and get updates and see what was happening and just to see what you know what we began really take a, an awesome step forward. Um, so it's it's exciting from my perspective to see that property continue to flourish and continue to see it. Uh, I mean, it really is morphing into what we dreamed it would be someday. You know, it started out as just this kind of raw piece of dirt. And the hope was like, man, someday this might be a wildlife paradise. And it's sure trending that direction. Um, I mean, it really is. So, uh, so great work to you and all the guys there that were doing all that. Um, that was, that was exciting to see. So from there, Hank, habitat work was done in the spring and in the summer. And then in late August, we had our first educational event for the field to fork program. Um, can you quickly set the stage for what you know, the, what was the game plan for that? And then I want to get Evan and Forrest to kind of introduce themselves and tell us a little bit more about them. But, but real quick, Hank, from your perspective, 
what was in your mind? What was your hopes for this thing we were going to put on in August? Sure. So, um, you know, we kind of discussed it with the group of both the Habitat and, you know, people interested in helping us with the programmatic aspect of the Field of Forks on the back 40. Um, so we decided that we wanted to do what we kind of term a community-based event. So like a, a long time or, you know, a, a Field of Fork program that happened over the course of a season. And, and most of ours do, but sometimes you know, the actual organized event will be condensed into like a four day weekend or something. And then, you know, there hopefully be, uh, you know, follow up opportunities to go hunting, but it's, it's kind of not in a package deal, but we wanted because of the opportunity, uh, you know, uh, a branch in volunteers and, and, and Michigan's always been a, a strong state for the national deer association, but we wanted to incorporate the local community um, recruit local new hunters and really try to just build on that kind of community and, and local field. So we went out and we, um, you know, we recruited hunters via a Google survey. We surveyed potential new hunters. We also had to recruit more mentors, uh, you know, to facilitate these hunts and also host properties because, uh, you know, the back 40 is a great piece of property, but we, we really can only hunt about four people at a time on the property. So we wanted to, um, you know, be able to take a few more hunters than that in the program. And we ended up selecting 10 hunters for our first year. Um, and we set about kind of training them and giving them the, um, the background they need to be successful. So we offer all of our field to fork participants, free online hunter education and free access to our deer hunting 101 course with hunterad.com. And so they kind of do the initial you know, prerequisite at-home education. And then we brought them in in September for a training day uh, before the season started, or excuse me, August. Um, I guess it was before the season started, late August. Um, we utilized a local Michigan DNR range for the shooting portion, uh, cooked some venison meals. You know, they had gotten a lot of the deer biology and, and that kind of stuff from the online courses. They even got, you know, the hunter education courses, but we like to reiterate safety and a few other things but uh i'd say the highlight of the event was the property tour that you you helped us lead yeah so we brought everybody out to the property and then i i kind of walked everyone through to see all the most important locations in the farm and throughout that time i tried to share as much as i thought might be relevant about you know how deer use the property how different things on the property might be representative of stuff that you could see out on your own hunting on public land or somewhere else kind of talk through hunt setups and mindset and things I'm thinking about when I'm out there and I don't know try to try to be as helpful and and use this landscape as as sort of a template for a whole bunch of different deer hunting discussions so that that's that's what that looked like from my perspective uh let's hear from the guys though that were actually learning so forced Evan, let's uh, let's get a little bit of what led you to this point. Um, Forrest, can you kick me off here with a little bit about what led you to want to learn a deer hunt and how you ended up making your way to get involved here with the Field of Fort program? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it pretty much started out with uh, growing up fishing all the time and seeing some friends as I was a kid going hunting with their family and friends and being curious about that. And as years went on, um, I was never really invited or, or had enough interest to move forward 
um, to really pursue it. Um, mostly because, of, you know, when you're young, you're looking for an adult to say, hey, let's go hunting, you know, but that just never worked out. And after fishing for many years and getting more and more into other types of fishing, <clears throat> starting to get surrounded by people who um, can now say, hey, have you ever killed a deer? Like, well, no. Like, well, you should do that sometime. Like, okay, how do I do that? And <laughs> yeah. I say, well, you got to find a mentor. And I'm like, okay. And then I just kind of sit there and wait for an invitation and <laughs> nothing happens. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. And um, then about five years ago, I, um, when I <clears throat> discovered the Meat Eater podcast and the Meat Eater episodes and seeing, um, the, uh, the culture of, of cooking and conservation and everything that was lining right up with my main interests at the time, which was, you know, fly fishing and fishing in rivers. And, um, when that became a huge passion in my life, conservation was natural. Like this is so beautiful. I want to take care of this forever for generations to come. And then, um, seeing the meat eater platform, uh, being exposed to that and seeing, Oh, there's, this isn't just about harvesting deer or getting large antlers. It, it, there's a giant conservation effort behind it. And that was, was a big part of it to me. And then the topper was you can make wild game taste good. And, you know, you can, you can have, you know, at the most a, a complete lifestyle surrounding it if you want to. And if not, that's okay too. There's plenty of options to get outside and, and, experience your your state or your you know local natural resources um without having the need to feel like you have to go on a vacation every six months somewhere um in order to enjoy yourself and reconnect and that type of thing so at that point after doing some networking over the past few years asking you know start with friends then I started with friends of friends, coworkers, coworkers, friends. <laughs> and I did, I did get a few people interested to talk to me and would answer my questions about equipment and places to go or resources to check out. But um, just had a few closed doors where I could tell that there's still no invitation. And, you know, after all the reading and resources online, it's, like okay i get it they they want that time for themselves and you know i could respect that and um just did not could not find an avenue to get out in the field so it was it was very tempting to go afield myself but um the field dressing i think is is where um you know as many videos as you watch or books that you read or diagrams that you study there's still a if there's a worst case scenario, I don't want to be in that worst case scenario and feel that thing at deer. Mm-hmm. So, so from there, how yep. did you discover the the field of fork program? How did that eventually fall in your lap? Um, I was just on my phone on Instagram looking through things, and um, if memory serves correct, I believe it was spring of last year or maybe early summer. Um, I believe it was the first light ad in my, in my Instagram feed with just, a, I believe it was field to fork or back 40 to fork or, or something along that lines. And I'm like, Oh wow, this is okay. 
This is something where, oh, adult-led or for adults to learn how to harvest deer for their own consumption. Okay, yeah, that's exactly what I want. I'm not looking for somebody to teach me how to shoot a big buck or anything like that. I just want to get out there and get food. Clicked on that, um, and that began the whole process with engaging with the NDA and the forms, filling out the forms and the application process. And, you know, Hank just kind of took it from there with us. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And um, I have four small kids at home and I know that hunting takes a lot of time. And I'm like, oh no, did I just do something I'm not, <laughs> I can't handle with, with the time commitment. <laughs> and I told my wife and she's like, okay. And I said, are you all right? I said, she said, yes, I know you've been wanting to do this for years. Go for it. I'm like, Oh, and then just, (laughs) you know, I've been on cloud nine ever since that, that, um, that invitation to have the opportunity. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. Uh, well, I want, I want to dive into a bunch more of that, but, but first let's get Evan's side of the story. Uh, Evan, can you, can you give us your version? Yeah. No, great. Um, a lot of it follows, you know, what, what Forrest described. Uh, but I think the, you know, what sort of drew me in initially was my passion for food. I've, I've spent most of my life cooking, um, for a good portion of it professionally, but, you know, now more, more as a hobby. And, you know, I got used to, and, and almost, you know, tired of the same chicken, pork and beef. Right. And so, I felt I'd come very far with, with the, the typical meats that you can, you, you can get at a supermarket and then, you know, push that further and start, you know, sourcing those better and, and, and doing better. But, you know, at the same time, like there was this just wide variety out there that was different and exotic and was going to be much more challenging. And, and so that is what sort of drew me in initially. Um, and, and I had this, this sort of, feeling or calling or what, what happened, but well before I knew about, um, meat eater and, and, and that there was a community out there that, that was hunting and fishing for food. And, and what shocked me was the, the, the caliber, the caliber of, of cuisine and the caliber of, of cooking and thoughtfulness that went into the harvest and that went into the execution of the raw product. And I was hooked immediately. I mean, that was it. Like, I, I don't think I'd ever fit into a mold so perfectly and, and finding uh, a community out there that, that was inspired and, and was, was into taking wild game and and you know harvesting your own proteins and and doing that thing and then and also foraging and all these other you know all these other ingredient sourcing methods and then applying like really really excellent really really um high technique i mean it was just it was fascinating um and so that was a huge huge draw and then and then as it went further i started with birds um, you know, I, I, I did what I, what I feel is a very typical Michigan thing where you, you get a shotgun, you get a pump, 
you get a pump action shotgun because you can change the barrels. You can use it for deer hunting. You can use it for, you know, it just, it holds a lot of purpose. And, uh, and, and so I started, I started by, by hunting birds and doing upland. I just fell in love with upland and, uh, and it just kept kind of growing from there. You know, I wanted to, after hunting pheasants, I wanted to hunt grouse and after grouse, you know, I wanted to move on to the, to the next thing. And eventually it was, you know, turkeys and then it was deer and, and, uh, I had been successful. I had been successful um, through reading and watching videos and, and doing a lot of research on my own and, and in some cases getting guides and, 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 you know, different methods. But I was unsuccessful and put in a lot of effort, more effort into deer hunting than, than really any other type of hunting that I had tried up until that point. And, and it was very, uh, it was very disheartening at, at a certain point where it was, it was, you know, it was very challenging and I was just, I was started to, you know, feel conflicted about it. And, and, uh, um, and it was when my sister had like, you know, she hadn't even, you know, heard of the back 40 tell, you know, TV show at the time, YouTube show at the time. Um, of course I, by this point I'm, you know, deep in it. I'm, I'm listening to the podcast and, and, uh, and watching the shows. And, and so she sends over this, like, I think it was, uh, she got an email from the the Michigan Department of Natural Resources and, and was just like, hey, does this look like something you'd be interested in doing? It looks like a mentorship for adult hunters for deer. And I was like, do you have any idea what this is? Like, do you have any any clue what you just <laughs> we need to sign up for this? And and yeah. lucky for us, we we both we we were both accepted. Um, and it just turned out to be just, just an unbelievable experience. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. 
The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. So from there then, okay, that's... that's, that's it's great to get both of your stories and hear what led you there. And, and it's, it's, it's encouraging to hear just how spot on this whole program sounded. Like once you discovered it, you were like, Oh, this is the thing I've been waiting for forever. Uh, what I'm, what I'm curious about though, next is that first experience. So that, you know, the day you went out and and went on the range and you got to eat some venison with folks and you met the mentors and we came out to the back 40 and I watched you guys around what was your take after that? So that was your first real experience with the program. Um, now you kind of have an idea of what you're in for. Um, I guess maybe Evan will keep going with you since we're just heard from you. What was your thoughts on how that went? You know, was that a helpful day? Was was the whole process up to that point what you were hoping? Um, curious about that. Yeah, no. Uh, so there was great communication leading up to it. Uh, as, as Hank pointed out, they, they, they gave us a ton of resources so that we can do a bunch of homework uh, because you had a mixture of people that were coming to this program. I had some hunting experience. I had a hunting license. I, I was familiar uh, with firearms and crossbows uh, at the time and, and others, you know, were not. So it was, it was, it was well uh, managed for sort of like, all of the range of people that were that were going to be coming, and I, I thought that there was a, a good level of, of communicating, sort of prepping people and knowing what expectations were coming next. So it was it was, although it was, um, you know, it, it was a bit intimidating. It was not in any way. It was handled well enough that it was not intimidating at all. To such that you wouldn't want to show up. You were excited when you got there. You know. I think that uh, I think that there was any intimidation there. It's just that you 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 know you wanted to be present of mind and and you know and uh, and you didn't want to you know um, screw anything up type of thing. And and so, but the way that they handled you from the time you arrived, there wasn't an opportunity to screw anything up. It was very 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 well managed. Um, introductions all around. It was great to see a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds who were there for a lot of different reasons. And I think that really started to uh, bring down the level of, of you know, of, of any sort of caution that anybody may have had because people come to this program and come to hunting in different ways and from different backgrounds. And so to hear the stories and was, was really great and, and to get to know each other. And then it was um, orchestrated in a very safe manner. So you know, people who may have never handled a firearm or uh, a crossbow or anything like that were, were treated very, very well. And again, so the longer you were there, the, the more that it, it, uh, it became more comfortable. And then from there, uh, uh, you know, Hank will not brag about how good his cooking is, but his cooking and his <laughs> sausage is unbelievable. And so don't listen to him when, <laughs> when he doesn't talk. Um, so that was really fun because it, it was like it was like a sneak peek into into the future. Uh, and then the of course the the tour uh, and and you showing up for that. Um, Forrest and I almost fainted, and that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
we uh, we held each other up. And no, I mean, just the fact that uh, <laughs> that you know that everyone was 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 like there to put their time in. I mean, the mentors were there to put their time in. The the NDA was there, and then you were there. I mean, it just kept on like reinforcing just how special this was and 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 what it meant and what kind of commitment it meant uh and so then as a mentee and i think i can speak for the mentees it was like wow this is this is amazing and 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 we um you know we're we're gonna we're gonna be handled well like this is this is gonna go well because you're you know, again, you're, you're, you're in a new circumstance around new people and you're, you're ultimately out there, uh, to do something that a lot of people have learned over many years. And we're trying to shore that up into a very small period of time, but it just kept feeling better every single minute with, with how well it was, was put together. That's awesome. What's your, what was your take for us? Yeah. Same same thing along the organization uh, of the whole event myself, and I was too amazed by the other mentees and the backgrounds. All of, all of us had different reasons, and it was really neat to see the the broad spectrum. Um, and yeah, there was that same amount of apprehension about is this you know am I in the right area? Am I uh, way out of my lane here? Is, and, and that kind of thing. But once the the introductions and hearing everybody's um, story, which takes a little bit of courage because you just meet all of these strangers and you're standing around and it's okay. Why do you want to do this? And so it's, I think that's kind of the beginning of the journey is everybody kind of, kind of announcing out loud, you know, what their, what, what their hopes and dreams are for this. And um, yeah, that was, that was a big part to kind of instantly, kind of break the ice in a way and understand that we all have a, a common, a common goal and, and, you know, the conversations and, and everything just started to flow so well after that. But for, for me, I think, um, you know, just the time um, spent to take the mentees to coordinate with the, um, with the mentors and um, with, with the range um was was way beyond my expectations um the amount of the number of ment- mentors that, that were available to help people like me who are not as familiar with rifles and crossbows um was was more than expected as well it was you know it felt like it was one-on-one and if there was any any question anything needed any apprehension it was it was very well addressed and because for me it is um you know, if you're going to take the shot, you want it to be the ethical kill. You don't want to, you know, you want to be as best as you, as you can be. And there's a little bit of, for me, I feel like, can I really learn to shoot a rifle and a crossbow in, in one day and then, you know, actually ethically kill a deer, you know, <laughs> the next time we meet up, that was the big thing. And like I said, with one-on-one instruction, with the rifles and crossbow, the mentors really were helped you affirm that, no, this is good. You know, you, you take a few shots and you're like, Oh, that's not on where exactly where I was aiming. And you're like, that's a dead deer. It's like, okay, all right. That's a dead deer. That's all I needed <laughs> to hear, you know, because you could, I suppose you could go out, you could join a gun range, you could buy a rifle, you could, you know, 
take all your safety courses and everything and show up at a rifle by, or I'm sorry, at a range by yourself and do that. But how long would somebody spend trying to hit a bullseye from 50 yards out and not accomplish that and feel like they can't go a field? So that was a big confidence boost, a big primer um, that was, that was really well executed. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, on my end too, just, just getting to, getting to the point when we were there on the property and getting to meet all you guys and hear a little bit about each of your stories and, and then walking around, answering questions, sharing all those things. I remember having a moment we were standing on, I think it would have been like in the back five, back field five, maybe somewhere back there. And I remember looking back and you know, when you're on those hills, you can look back down towards the swamp and it's kind of a, a pretty good wide view because of the topography there. And I remember kind of looking over and I saw these 10 new hunters or aspiring hunters and 10 mentors and this property with all these habitat improvements that we've been doing over the years and the blinds we'd put up. And I had this kind of flash where you kind of see like the movie like montage reel of all the things that led <laughs> up to this. And it was like one of those one of those weird times in life where you step out of yourself just a little bit and, and can see it for what it is. And I had this just like, just wow, that it actually happened. We actually have done something that maybe matters. Like maybe this is a really cool thing that actually came together and going to help people. And, and here's exhibit a of it actually coming to fruition. And, uh, that was, that was exciting to see and encouraging, um, to see that, you know, what began as a, inkling of an idea sitting in my office and then led to a whole bunch of debating and talking and uh, arguing and brainstorming, you know, in conference (laughs) rooms four years ago, which then led to, you know, just a whole lot of crazy things happening. So, um, so it was, it was wild to see this next step all coming to life. And then it even got wilder when we fast forward another month or so to the first hunt on the property. And interestingly, Forrest was paired to hunt with me that weekend. And then I think your kids got sick, right? Something like that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So sick kids yep. kept Forrest from getting to go, yep. which is a bummer. I, yeah. I decided, you know, well, that was, that was one of the toughest things. One of the toughest choices I ever had to, <laughs> had to come to come to peace with. And, uh, you know, maybe as a lot of fishermen and hunt and hunters, I don't know what agree with me or not, but I'm a big fan of, of having really good, what I call good juju, like good <laughs> karma. And so, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm skipping out of work to go fishing, I'm probably not going to catch any fish, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but this opportunity was huge, but it took me, it took me about 24 hours to really come to that right decision. And that was the, to call in, call in the the sick the sickness and be like no I can't do it I got it and and that's a good thing right because if I probably would have went I probably would have been driving there I'm probably not going to shoot a deer because I'm leaving my family at home sick so. yeah <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it all worked out in the end and uh, and since Force couldn't go uh, Evan you got to join me and uh, yep. we had a pretty darn cool first hunt on the back forty do you want to uh, Tell the story. We ha- I guess quickly before you do that, the first hunt we we're going to have was going to be an early antlerless 
season hunt. So we're going to bring all these folks out. Some folks, well, each, each mentee was paired with a mentor and then we split up from there as far as where we'd go. I think there was three or four pairs of us that were going to hunt in the back 40 different corners of the farm. And then other groups of folks went to some other properties that we had access to in the general region. Um, so you and me, Evan, were paired together for that trip. Talk to me about how you're feeling leaning into it and, and everything that happened. Let's, let's, let's hear this uh, wild story. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was, it was a lot uh, to, to, to put it, you know, to put it in those terms. I mean, you know, you show up and, and again, you know, just being a part of this is, is already a big, a big deal in itself. And then, you know, about 10 minutes after arriving, you know, it was like, oh, hey, uh, you're, you're cool. You're with Mark. You're good with that. Right. And we're going to film you and it's your first time. And yeah. You know, so it was kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but again, is that like, was that nerve wracking? Was yeah, <laughs> little, maybe a little bit. It didn't take long though. It really did. I mean, everyone was, you know, again, it was very well organized. Uh, so it, it just, you know, it took a little time, and then, uh, and that was really our first time, like meeting and get, you know, and and you know, you were great and and just really down to earth and. Mark, our, our camera guy was just terrific. And, and he, you know, he was just, just a blast to be with. And so the three of us really sort of hit it off well, I think early. And that, that made a big difference and really brought down that it went from, you know, feeling, uh, so large and intense and, and it kind of boiled down to like, Hey, let's go hunt. Like this, this feels like, this feels like a hunt, you know? And so, um, it was cool to have that experience where we got to tour with you, the property before, because we, we sort of had an idea of the layout of the lay of the land and the layout and, and where we'd be and what we'd be doing. Um, and, uh, and I picked up a, a few tricks from you, even just that, you know, even that, that day, uh, I carry nose jammer with me now everywhere I go. <laughs> yeah. And so, so that was cool. And, um, and then, you know, the, the thought process of between how we enter, uh, to not, you know, interfere, we had to be careful because we had so many hunters going out to different parts of the property. So we had to be very strategic there. So there were lessons picked up and, um, and, and also like the, you know, I, I think that part of what I struggled with was truly understanding the impact of scent and, you know, a lot of what you read and listen to and watch is, is, you know, focused around like very intelligent, very, you know, knowledgeable, mature deer. Um, and, and that's not exactly what I'm going for. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, to fill freezers. And so there's a, there's a, a margin there that, that we could get away with. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to learn as well. Um, and I don't think it's a great margin, but, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, so it, you didn't have to drop out of a helicopter basically is what I'm getting at. Um, and to get back there. And so those were lessons learned and we, but we still took a long way to get to the blind. It was an elevated blind. Um, when we got in it, we realized there was no carpet in it. So we, we were doing a quick check and, 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 and figuring out how we could position ourselves. So we wouldn't make a lot of noise if we had to turn. Um, and then we got right into it. We got right into, you know, running through the scenarios 
and which which ended up being you know the most critical part and 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 what ele- you know what made that so critical and elevated the the level uh was the fact that we could easily make noise if we turned a certain way or um dropped something so it was a, a total uh check and and balance of okay this is the scenario this is the way the deer's coming what are we going to do where's where's mark going to go where's the other mark going to go where are you going to go how you know can you see can you t- turn can you even shoulder the firearm um and so there were several angles i think there was really three angles in which we could you know have a, a pretty decent chance of not only seeing deer but get a shot at them and uh and and we had just kind of walked through that and i think we figured out really good positions for each one and how long were we talking like 15 minutes after that yeah i like, feel like i feel like it was a 10 or 15 minute kind of thing and then bam yeah so we just started the, uh the kind of okay you know the business part of this done like let's have a conversation let's chat and 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 then your face just turned like i my back was to this part of the blind you're facing uh out that window um looking on to this this trail that butts up to some woods about 45 50 yards out and your face just stopped and you and you raise your hand and you just point you're like that's deer <laughs> like that's and i i, I was like I, I was kind of like, well, you know, because it's like five o'clock in the afternoon at this point. You know, well, I don't even had, know if it was, it might have been earlier than that. Right, exactly. It was super early in the afternoon. And uh, so we figured, you know, we had a couple hours to just sit around and, and, and chit chat. And so all of a sudden it was just game on. And this doe, this nice mature doe was cruising down this trail. And the trail uh, was a worn trail that led right in front of are blind and then cut through this little, um, you know, this, this, this basically, uh, for lack of a better term, a funnel between, you know, so the, the wood line where we were kind of butted up to, and then a wood line on the other side near the honey hole. And there was this, there was a food source right there. And that's, that's where she was headed. She was cruising fast. And so the first move was to just like, you know, turn without spooking her, without too much movement, without too much sound. Um, but, you know, her head was up, she was cruising. So, you know, we had to be very cautious and careful about not making too sudden of a movement. And she came right up to the blind. I mean, we're in an elevated blind. She came up within five yards of it. And that's when she decided to, okay, thumbs up, kind of spooked, turned and, and, and ran up the, ran back up the trail. And at this point I'm thinking, all right, that was cool. Like, man, there's tons of deer out here. Like we're done for you know for a minute and you're like get your gun up you know get in position she's gonna stop she's gonna get right to the top of that hill and stop and it, as if like you could like see that in the future that's exactly what she did she she went 40 yards back up the trail broadside stopped and she stopped for so long that i got the the, the gun mounted i got set up i got my sticks on i mean everything and and it seemed like an eternity although i'm I'm sure in hindsight it wasn't that long but um it was just picture perfect and you said you said if you're comfortable take the shot and uh i said i'm going to take the shot and the shot rang and 
that part's kind of a blur for me. I really relied on you and Mark to tell me like, <laughs> like, did it look good? Like, did it look like, yeah. you know, elite fit? and, um, and it was, I mean, and after that, it was just, just jitters and shakes and emotions. And I mean, just, just utter disbelief. Like, I don't know that I've ever had that much disbelief all at once. <laughs> it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Even for me, I remember just being, I was shaking. I was shaking. I was so excited. <laughs> it was, uh, that was awesome. And, uh, and so we'll fast forward, you know, I don't know. I can't remember how long we waited. We didn't wait too terribly long. Cause, oh. um, we felt good about the hit and we went back there and she ran, I don't know, 50, some, something like that, 50 yards, something along those lines. And we found her right there in the honey hole what was that like walking up to that deer and seeing that you'd actually did this thing? It was, uh, it was, it was a, a huge relief in so many ways. I mean, there was so much pressure built up to this point by prior hunts and, you know, um, the hours and the, and the dollars that were invested um, and the, the time that was put in, you know, selfishly my own, but then by others as well. I mean, there was, you know, it, it just felt, it all of a sudden felt like it was doable. It, it all of a sudden felt like this, this happens and this can happen. And, and this is a real thing. And, and, and it's in, and, and it's right there. And, and, and there was this very, um, she was, she was pretty. I mean, she it was very, she was a very like regal and majestic animal. And, and, uh, and it, it, it didn't feel, um, as, as sad. I don't know. Like, you, you know, there's, there's a, there's a part of it that, you know, the part that there's, it's the harvest can, you know, I, I didn't know how I feel about that. Um, because I hadn't done it and I'm an animal lover and, and I know we all are and, and, and we get into this for it, but I didn't know how exactly how that would feel, but it, it didn't feel, um, it, it was more grateful than any sort of sadness. And it was, um, it was just an overwhelming experience. And, and I was basically speechless. And I, I, I think back to it often and fondly. Um, and, and it was just, uh, it was inspiring and, and it was just, and, and I, honestly, it was fun. It was, a, it was a lot, it was fun. It was so much, it was so much fun. It was, it was energetic. There was real energy there. That's, that's, uh, that's really well said. I mean, it was, it was all those things, even for me, which is what's kind of crazy and pretty darn cool about this pursuit is that I've been doing this for 30 years and getting to just be with someone experiencing those things for the first time was was so incredibly rewarding and uh, it, it just feels it's so yeah for lack of a better term cool to to see someone getting to step into this world and and get to experience these things that i found so rewarding and profound and you know uh so satisfying so uh yeah it was just a it was an awesome awesome day it was so cool to see it work out for you and you know even though that hunt specifically went really really fast you know like you said you had been trying for a long time you've been working hard to try to figure these things out yourself and so it felt like this really great uh moment of of fruition where all that work finally did pay off and uh and i was just very happy for you evan 
and uh, and great shooting too. Oh, thanks. yeah, no, I mean it was it was awesome. I mean, all three of us were freaking out. I mean, we <laughs> it was it, it was truly like you know your feelings, Mark's feelings, and I mean they were all super genuine. I mean, it was we had set out to do something, and 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 I mean it must have been a great feeling to uh, to 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 see the back forty do what the the back forty you know, was meant to do as well. And, yeah. and so quick. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. And then, and then you were able to go back out the next morning with a different set of mentors and reinvent the wheel all over again. You did it two days in a row. Yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. We, <clears throat> we, uh, I got to go out with Xavier, um, the next morning and, and, uh, and of course at this point, like, you know, pressure's off, like, you know, the, the, the feelings is, you know, like, Hey, I'm here. Let's do it. Let's go see what we see. And we, we get out there well before first light, we get up in a different, uh, elevated box blind and nothing. I mean, we, we're overlooking a field and, and, uh, we're having a good time. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're chatting it up and, and we're looking around, but, you know, we didn't have a great line of sight where we were. We were looking over some really tall grass. And he says, he goes, you know, I really think that if they come, they're going to come down this, they're going to come down this area over here, which was a trail that was um, cut there for, for uh, power, you know, uh, foam poles and, and power lines and things like that. And, and so he kind of knew it well enough to know that if anything was going to happen, it was going to happen over that way. And it was about 65 yards. So uh, once it got, you know, you know, light enough that you could kind of see what you were doing in there. We ran, we did the same thing. We ran through the motions like, okay, you know, unlikely scenario, they come here, but still, it's still a, a lane. Let's try it. Let's try it. Let's try it. And thank God we did. Cause you know, a little bit of fatigue was setting in about nine 30, nine 45, you know, we're, we're kind of like, you know, people are, you know, we're starting to communicate with others and talking about when we're going to wrap it up. And, and all of a sudden, Right down that trail, just like he thought, you know, right down that trail, there's, we see a head pop out and it's a, it's a line of does and uh, another mature doe really uh, pretty much equal in size to the one the day before. And he threw out a call, you know, he, he, he gave her a, you know, a map to, to, to stop her. She stopped broadside. And while he was doing that, I was getting set up. And because we, we had the plan in place, it went quickly, even faster than the day prior. And, got a shot on her and she went, you know, I went, uh, probably 20, 30 yards. Hank came out. Um, Hank came out to help with that one. And, uh, and it was just, I just couldn't, I mean, again, just, just under utter disbelief. Two deer in two days. Not bad, my friend, <laughs> <laughs> not bad at all. So, uh, so let's, let's jump over to you Forrest. And fast forward a couple months, you had to put your aspirations on hold because of the because of family obligations, which was a good call and a good man move. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we get to December and we hosted another hunt for anyone who mm -hmm. wanted to come out and try again, or anyone like in your case where you hadn't been able to hunt or hadn't been able to get a deer yet. Um, same kind of thing. Everyone came out. A bunch of mentors came out. We all split up to hunt different places. A group of us went to different locations on the back forty. Um, because I, I guess, uh, I got first dibs on locations. I picked the honey hole again for us and, uh, and that's what we were going to do. So Forrest, can you, can you do for us what Evan just did? Kind of fill us in on how you were feeling leading up to the hunt 
can you walk us through what happened and and your perspective on on that whole experience yeah so leading up to the hunt it was um a typical mid-december michigan day super overcast some snow on the ground kind of melting um you know in between that 32 and 33 mark where would like to see some snow rather than some freezing rain and you know the weather alone was um a little bit of already a a a mental challenge for me thinking um about going through in my mind about um, am i going to get super cold is this um you know am i going to be shivering when i try and take the shot and and that kind of thing and running through scenarios in my head um what questions should i ask and that type of thing and once we once we all met up and uh Mark, you and I, when we just started walking, you just started prepping me for everything and giving me a heads up. This is what we're going to do, just like Evan was talking about before. And getting the, you know, starting the walk to the blind and the, the heart rate just started to kind of elevate quite a bit there with excitement. And, um, you know, I, I kind of felt like it was uh, like when you sit on a roller coaster and, and you, you're just when you when you get in the seat and then all of a sudden you you're just start climbing like up a main hill like you're at cedar point or something and you're like okay not turning back now i'm not (laughs) walking away and (laughs) here we go so um yeah got into the blind it was still kind of misting um you know there was ice on the on the on the ladder steps so icy yeah um yeah it was and um you know it wasn't really bright out real low clouds um, and I'm thinking, oh man, it might get dark before, before our shooting hours are even are approached, you know? And, um, but from there, once you started talking us through the, if the deer comes in this direction and that direction, that's what we're going to do. Okay. Now let's practice and do you feel comfortable and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and then, um, just the initial sit down and holding the rifle and looking out um, was a pretty surreal experience. Like I, here I am, I'm, you know, officially doing it in in my mind. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a huge, as simple as it sounds, it was a very big experience because there's a reflection of everything that had come up to that point. And, um, so we sat there and talked about where deer could be showing up from. And I don't know, I think an hour went by and nothing happened. And I think another hour went by and nothing happened. And we entered the, our prime time. And I think, um, shooting hours ended, I think around five thirty-one, I believe. And, um, I think right around, uh, five, right, right around five o'clock, I start thinking to myself, okay, all right. I started talking through thoughts in my head like this probably not gonna happen that's okay i'll be like a senior that's okay (laughs) (laughs) that kind of thing and and just and hearing from mark and the other guys in general like it can happen fast it can happen with snap of a finger and you know that that was the optimism you know my mind i was combating the negative thoughts with and so we were just sitting there and it was it was just i think five ten-ish and then Mark, I believe you, yeah, you spotted the first deer. Oh, there's a deer way off over the that first hill. 
And I believe it was, yeah, it was out of range. There were two of them. Yep. And we moved into position, right? And put a scope. Uh, I believe it was, I know it was at least one doe. I don't know if it, do you, if you remember. If yeah, you recall, there, was a, but there was a spike in a doe. And they were, they were on that one hard to get to position that we'd had to practice. Like I would have to get out of my chair, move to the other side of the blind. You'd have to move forward. But like you said, we'd practice like, okay, if this scenario happens, we've got to do this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And and we figured it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was crucial because uh, you were sitting to the right of me and that was the window I needed to shoot out of. And without practicing that, I mean, something kind of dropped or a scuffle or some kind of noise potentially ruined it. But so yeah, get the scope on the doe and you range ranged her and I believe it was just out of a hundred yards, a little bit out of my comfort zone for, you know, pretty much being a novice marksman, if you will. And, and um, I believe they just kind of started quartering away and just kind of fading, walking back, further and further in the opposite direction, you know? And from there, it was like, Oh, okay, well, all right. There, there was the opportunity. That, that's cool. I'm, I'm happy. I'm good. You know? <laughs> and, um, I believe, uh, Mark cameraman brought his camera back in and, uh, Mark, I think you were just, uh, I don't know, adjusting something or, but not looking out. And I was just on the scope and, all of a sudden, um, from the right, um, it just, it was like Christmas morning. I saw, <laughs> it's like that first image of presence. It was like 10 does just started walking very, very gracefully, right, right from, um, the other side of the field. And, um, I was just like, Oh, now this is a for sure. Thing. <laughs> and it was, I feel like it was half the distance. It was twice as close as, the as the first deer i saw yeah and i'm like okay here we go and now it was when i talk about the roller coasters like now i'm just like i feel like i could just scream but i can't (laughs) 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 gotta focus now you know and um that was that was the image that i play almost every day since um in my mind that and um seeing those deer walking so slowly and with I don't know, five, seven, ten minutes left of shooting time and um keyed in on the first uh I think there were two or three that first rolled in and then uh wanted to key in on the largest doe and I think it was like the second or third one and then they started to overlap after getting the scope on the the bigger of the two or three. And then it's like, okay, we're just waiting and then I think there's another five six, seven more, uh, what appeared to me was very like large or mature doe. And I'm like, Oh man, I just got to wait for this to break up and, and go from there. And Mark, you were talking me through it and you know, at all the minor details, like, Hey, do I talk the hammer? Nope. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> and then once confirming that we were both on the same page with the range and the exact deer, um, I was going to take a shot at, you know, it was, uh, I just remember, you know, taking the breath and I remember still being nervous, but not shaky nervous. And I was surprised by that and, and, and took the shot. And, and I, I, I remember actually seeing 
seeing the doe get hit and I thought it was too high. Um, it looked like it, the shot hit the spine potentially. Um, but luckily, uh, having, uh, Mark, the cameraman there to kind of replay and, and see, uh, you know, possibly upper, upper lung shot, you know, he should be okay and that kind of thing. And, um, from there it was, yeah, all pure adrenaline rush and, and shaking and not being able to stop smiling. And yeah, that was, that was, you know, just like you see on all the TV shows and whatnot and, and hear about, um, I was unsure about how I would feel, um, taking the shot, um, on an animal that I, you know, I love and like, Evan mentioned being animal lover and that kind of thing, but taking a life is a whole different thing. I'm going to feel about that. And amazingly enough, I did not, I did not have those kinds of thoughts or feelings. Um, and I, I kind of attribute that maybe to just human nature. I don't know for, for survival or whatnot, but yeah. So that was, that was the shot. And, um, decided what we waited there for, I don't know. I, I cannot remember how long we went. I feel like it was about 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Maybe an hour. Something like that. Yeah. And I know I remember it was, it was definitely dark. Like the headlamps were out, everything like that. Um, other mentors came over to our field and, um, began the tracking process. And, um, that was something that I didn't, I didn't, um, really think through previous that, that would be actually kind of a challenge. And another thing later in retrospect, I'm really grateful for because, um, when I, when I read or try and educate myself about tracking deer, it's like, Oh yeah, follow the blood. Okay. You know, just mark where you've been and just follow it. But then when we started to track the deer and finding the blood and then finding the next drop and finding the next drop, and then we hit kind of a wall there, and even though it was only like 10 minutes, it was, that feeling was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that was, like, yeah, that, so that, that's when, that's when, um, I started to feel concerned, but not like, uh, oh, I might not find the deer, but almost like a concern, like, uh, a responsibility, almost like you, you let somebody down almost. Mm-hmm. And from there, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's, there's the, I think that was the first sign to me of the connection was formed with the animal and then walking up and finding the, the blood trail again. And then, um, uh, seeing, seeing the deer, seeing the doe and discovering it was, was just absolutely amazing. I, I, I felt attached to the deer. I felt like it was almost like my pet. And then there I had that melancholy thought of, but I just, I just took its life. But the beauty of the, the deer and, um, and just the whole, the whole process up to finding it was a sense of relief. And now I felt like, um, kind of, I've completed the process and now I want to do whatever it takes to take the ultimate care of this, of this cell. Right. So yeah, from there, um, 
that was when I think a, a switch was flipped, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like having a kid or getting married or any, any major accomplishment or just something that triggers you to change your mindset. What did you think about the field dressing process? You mentioned that is one of the things before getting to go on the mentor experience that was, you know, that was concerning to you. You wondered if you'd be able to do it, if you'd know how to, if you could figure it out, how difficult it would be. Um, you know, we, we yeah. walked through that together um, and you completed mm-hmm. the job. How, how did that go in your mm-hmm. way? So I was right. That was the, the part of the whole process that really kind of launched me on the whole, you know, seeking mentors and whatnot. And, I was, I'm the kind of person that gets kind of queasy around, um, animals being dissected and I didn't do well in biology class. I had to stand in the hall because I (laughs) couldn't handle it. (laughs) And so, and that was like my big, my big, okay, this is where I'm, I'm confronting, I'm going, I'm leaving my comfort zone and I'm going to start cutting into this animal and I just hope I don't throw up or make, make a fool out of myself. And, um, you know, when people would say it's not as bad as you think, it was not as bad as I thought, you know, the initial cut into the skin, Mark, you've shown me exactly where to start and, um, and, and just start making the incision and whatnot. Um, I was, I was amazed at how, how clean and, um, simple of a process it was. And, um, but I saw that in my mind like when i get to the stomach part and stuff starts falling out everywhere am i gonna lose it and um i don't know if it was the adrenaline or not but i kind of feel like it was just that connection like i it, it didn't even cross my mind cutting across the belly going through getting everything out making cuts you know um in certain areas that you're pointing me to do um was a lot, lot easier than I thought. I, I, I think I was expecting like blood to be gushing out everywhere or, right. you know, arteries with blood, like splattering everywhere and things, but it's not that at all. And that was a big, that was a big, um, relief for me. And, um, it, it went quicker than I thought. And, um, it was, it was a big sense of accomplishment and a big confidence booster for, okay. I, I, I definitely feel like I can do this on my own now. And that was the big thing. Like, can I do this on my own? And I felt like I I had that after leaving that, even though Mark, you helped me with so much on where and how it was getting my hands in there and physically doing it. That said that, that gave me the confidence to say that, yeah, I can do this on my own. Do it. Well, I need to refer to some things on how, like, what cuts and where to make it again. Yeah, but I can, I can look that up and be like, oh yeah, okay, that's what I have to do. But I'm not apprehensive about going a field and harvesting a deer because I might get, I don't know, grossed out or screw up something um, with the dressing that would make for a really bad experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear you feel that way now, after having done it and. I mean, I think your experience and your apprehensiveness leading into it was, yeah, that's not uncommon. And so to your point, it's, you just got to get in there and do it once. And then once you've crossed that bridge, it's a whole lot easier to, to walk it again in the future. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so what I want to know next is about what happens next for both of you guys. But (laughs) 
before we get to that, I want to kind of hit pause on your personal stories and, and, and put a little call to action here for anyone listening who has found themselves in your shoes. Anyone who's listening, who has been intrigued by hunting, who is hunting curious, who who maybe has tried it and been getting started but is struggling, or maybe this is someone who's never done it ever before but kind of has this little voice in the back of their mind that makes them think, man, I should try it, and somehow they stumbled on this podcast, and they would love to get a chance to go through what you guys did. If there's anyone listening who's in those shoes, Hank, my friend, can you drop in from your expert perspective where people can find these opportunities, how they can find these opportunities? Can you can you give us that right now rather than at the very end of the show? Let's talk about that yeah. right now. Also, because I know, Hank, you might need to leave. <laughs> I want to make sure you get to say hey. this before you do. Where can people just find this? Go ahead. Yeah, just uh, deerassociation.com slash FTF. Um, you'll find my email on there, Hank at deerassociation.com. We also have deerassociation.com slash new hunter. And if they're a new hunter, it will, um, you know, we ask it for their personal information. We can plot them on a map. It'll send them some resources, most of them free and advertise a couple paid ones, but it'll put us on the map. And, and that's how we notify individuals of a new programs coming online or other opportunities around them. We really try to keep these programs state specific because of licensing and that kind of thing. Um, and we want to teach people how to hunt where they come from. So um, if you'll go to any of those, contact us, fill out that new hunter survey. Um, it just lets us figure out where you are and, and we'll, we'll contact you with opportunities. We also have a mentor sign up for potential mentors out there if they're willing to mentor for us. And, um, and, and it's built to, to do the same thing from the opposite side and connect those mentors with new hunters and, and programs we have. So I appreciate that, Mark. Oh, yeah. um, if, you, if you'll allow me, I'd like to roll back a couple things before we move on to what's next for these guys. Yeah. Just a few comments and stuff. Um, well, first off, uh, Forrest said something just a minute ago about having the confidence to continue. And really, that's what it comes down to here. That's all we're doing is we're giving these new hunters the confidence to realize that this is attainable and something that they can bite off and chew. And that's really what's happened here. They've, they've managed to be, be successful, which is great. Uh, they got their hands dirty. Um, but it's really about just building that confidence. And, and yes, the gutting is often a very daunting, monumental thing that they need to figure out because, you know, just like Forrest, a responsible person isn't going to go out there and take that shot if they can't take care of it. But lastly, just, you know, answering the question that I am a hunter is, is just a confidence level. It's just saying that's something I can do and I'm going to do it. And so kudos guys. I hope, I hope we got you there, but there's, there's a lot more to it. And, and they told their stories and they told about how they found the program and that stuff. And, and their stories are not unique. I mean, we, I, I see hundreds of these every year and, um, and, and their stories are very common. Um, you know, what you guys have done at meat eater, there's been a lot of negative press about R3 programs and sharing hunting on social media recently. Um, and and it's, it's really sad, but you know, what you've done at meat eater and the responsible approachable, you know, just awesome view of hunting and that lifestyle, just what both of them attested to 
um, you know, just a little while ago. And, and that being on Netflix has offered entirely new generations and, and people who would have never run into hunting in such a responsible and beautiful light. But they're seeing it on their TVs that, you know, and so it really is this Netflix effect that I think has we're seeing a little bit of growth in hunting right now. Not enough to celebrate. We, we've seen a lot of societal trends that are helping, but um, we've been able to find these new potential hunters through um, non-traditional avenues and, and really break out of our traditional hunting spheres and circles and culture and that kind of stuff. So that's a lot of what has happened here. I also want to say that, you know, uh, we've learned a lot from these new hunters and that's something we didn't talk about. I mean, the first, uh, the first evening on the back 40, um, I was sitting in my truck when y'all shot That was the first year of this field to fork program, but also the first year on the back 40 and very fitting that you were the mentor. So it was exciting for me just sitting in my truck in the parking lot. <laughs> um, but, but you showed them how to, to clean the deer that night. We've got great photography. We had, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we had that camaraderie of deer camp, even just as a group out there in the field and, and meeting up after the hunt. Um, and you know, we can learn stuff from these new hunters, you know, Evan's Evan led the butchering demonstration, uh, the Sunday morning after he shot his second deer. And believe me, I tried to put him somewhere that I didn't think he would harvest the deer on Sunday, but, uh, <laughs> he must just have good luck. But, um, you know, I, I helped him, but he's, he's a chef. He knows how to break down animals and he, he has skills that I don't have. So we can learn a lot and we can gain from taking these new hunters afield. And then lastly, I'll say that we had a culinary social after the December hunt and Evan cooked for the group. Um, so he's a better chef than I am. I appreciate the nice comments, but at the end of the day, we didn't bring somebody who didn't have something to offer back to us. And so, um, we selected these candidates based off a lot of different reasons. And we, we have a selection panel, a group, I don't select them personally. Um, but we, we, we read through their profiles, their survey, um, answers, and we selected these candidates based on, you know, a panel and voting, but, um, you know, we, we debated this, um, Forrest was like the, the prototypical candidate. He found it on uh, first light social media. I mean, um, showed up in a first light hat for our training day. I mean, just, we, you know, it's just an amazing candidate. And, and then Evan and his sister both applied as he alluded to. And, you know, we're sitting there thinking, you know, one of them could mentor the other if we took one of them. And, you know, we take adults because they can mentor for us the next weekend. They can you can advocate and become better advocates for hunting than we ever can. And they're in their own circles and peer groups. So it, it just really it, there's a reason we do this. And it's the efficiency of the model. But we decided to take both Evan and his sister because we decided, you know, Evan might not be able to teach his sister. It's wrong to. Or vice versa, if we if we took Emily, she not, might not be a good teacher. You know, like we've run into this with husband and wife pairs where we're like, God, can you imagine if you had to learn from your significant other? They might not be the best one. But we ended up, you know, selecting these people for very different reasons. But we get all that information on the front end and uh, and we, we try to make our best educated decision. But, you know, um, Evan's going to mentor for us next year. Uh, I hope Forrest will will still be a part of the program. But I mean. We, we can take new hunters, take them afield. They can, they can cook venison better than we can. They can advocate for hunting better. We can, and, and honestly, they can mentor the next weekend or take their friends or their uh, 
you know, family, kids, whatever. I mean, Forrest has four kids. I, I, I expect he'll take them a field in the future. And then, um, you know, lastly, I'll, I'll just say that there was also follow-up hunting opportunities, and that's why we trained everyone on guns and crossbows, is we really encouraged people to get back out on the property uh, during the duration of the season outside of our kind of organized events. And I know a number of hunters took advantage of that. Yeah, it uh, it was really cool to see all those different opportunities arise and, and see the group of people out there have this experience. And tell me this, Hank, I think of our hunters, all but one ended up killing, uh, you know, having success killing their first deer over the course of these two hunts. Am I right on that? That's correct. Yep. We finished the season nine for 10. Um, just, we, we didn't get a hundred percent success. Well, but I don't think that's uh, how we judge success, but, um, yeah. but we did have nine out of 10 hunters harvest their first year this fall. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. And the back 40, I think we, we took four off the back 40. Does that sound right? I think just three, three. Two, oh. two the first organized hunt, one the second. Evan, you were out there as much as I was coming up from uh, North Carolina, but I think just three off the back 40 this fall. And then I think there was a couple opportunities, misses or things like that. So there was, there was opportunities, I Correct. guess. Um, so Correct. point being, I might be biased, but you tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like the back 40 provided. I feel like the back 40 oh, was, was a great hosting ground and training ground for these new hunters. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's been our tagline. Yep. It sure has. <laughs> now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you 
to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. So, so let's get back to you two then, Evan and Forrest. I'm curious to hear about your thoughts moving forward. Uh, Evan, where has your head been at since that experience? Um, are you going to keep hunting? Have you kept hunting? What do you think the future holds for you when it comes to this, uh, this pursuit? Yeah, uh, I've, I will keep hunting. I have kept hunting. Um, and, and on top of that, I'm, I'm going to, you know, develop more anybody who is interested in, in my circle that, uh, wants to hunt. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to carry the, carry the torch. So after, after the September hunt, um, Corey was kind enough to get my sister and I back out on the back 40, uh, several times. Um, there was, there's not been a point where I've been on the back 40 hunting that I haven't seen deer. I'm not kidding. Like, you know, maybe not an opportunity for a shot every time, but we, I've never not, you know, it's unbelievable. You're, you you see deer every time. And so, um, so they, you know, he, he, he gave up some prime hunting time. I mean, real prime hunting time to take us back out. Um, tank kept following up, like we got to get Emily on a deer, uh, you know, you got too many, you know, we got to get, I'm your sister one, you know, just joking around and having a good time with it. And, um, <laughs> and so there, you know, that was a lot of fun. And, and I got a little bit of a taste of, of what it was like to sort of be a mentor. It was much more about her hunts than my hunt, at, at, you know, in those times. Um, and then another trip out there, uh, you know, Corey and I, we went on a hunt, but, but it ended up just being a training session on saddle. And I am, I'm so comfortable and confident uh, in a saddle that during the rut, I, uh, I got up in a tree and I went out on my own on public land and private land, um, had some, I got on deer the first time, like first time, uh, uh, on my own, completely on my own and without even scouting other than just e-scouting, um, and using on X, I mean, I got out there and the fir- very first hunt, I, I saw, I saw deer and I, I mean, all, so awesome. all of these things, oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. And, and the, and then the crescendo of, of that trip was the, the final day I was deer hunting. Uh, I actually had, a, a an eight point buck come within 15 yards of me. Uh, I never got a shot at him. He, he never showed me anything but his eyes and his antlers, but, uh, we had this really unbelievable, like hour and a half exchange where there was a field full of does in front of me. I was grunting. He was tearing the woods to the ground. He was so angry that some other buck was out there with his does, but he would not step out. He would not step out. He just wouldn't do it. But it was, but I mean, you know, all of those things that we were taught and, and we were told, I mean, you know, to be applied and, and put into practice and, and went from years of not seeing deer and putting in the same amount of time and the same amount of effort um to all of a sudden you know using sticks and being in a saddle and being in a tree and 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 seeing deer on on most sits 
and or even having an encounter with a, with a true, um, you know, with a true buck. And, and so um, I'm hooked. <laughs> I'm totally hooked. Uh, there's, there's definitely no turning back for me. Um, and, uh, and, and so I'm taking my sister and a buddy out, uh, turkey hunting. Uh, it'll be their first time really going out on a turkey hunt. Uh, we're going to do that. And, and, uh, I've started dabbling in duck hunting last season. And, uh, so, you know, we're figuring that out and, and we're just going to, we're going to continue to do, I want to, I want to look at getting my niece and nephew out there. Um, and then just, I've got a bunch of buddies, uh, that come from the hospitality and, and culinary side of things. Uh, all of us fish, but they've, they've expressed, you know, uh, they've expressed interest. Um, but again, you know, like myself grew up in, uh, the suburbs and, and maybe didn't have the, you know, the experience growing up. And, and so now I feel confident enough that, that, you know, we can get out and we can, we can do some stuff. And I, and been talking to friends and networks and colleagues and, and people have been just so gracious about opening up their, their land to, to let me hunt and to let others. I, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's like, it, it really, I think it goes back to what Hank said about the confidence. And once you have the confidence, um, doors really start to open. So the biggest hurdle is certainly just getting started. But once, once you're through that, it, it gets a lot easier. It does. And, and in some ways it gets harder, but I think that uh, the the initial, I think the initial step is the hardest, you know, and, and once you get through that, um, the confidence starts to set in and people, people see that. And so uh, um, Forrest and I were actually talking about this last night and uh, we've coined ourselves the mentees of Mark. <laughs> we're, we're still, we're, we're still working out what the matching tattoos are going to look like, but we're, <laughs> yeah. we're we're headed down the road of like something like, you know, your face, like a Joe Rogan type thing. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we're, we're, we're playing in a hunt, you know, we're, we're, we're already, uh, planning on putting, uh, putting our skills together and, and seeing what we can see. Do. Ah, that is, uh, that is so cool. So cool to hear, except for the tattoo part. I, I think that would be, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. Uh, get my face on your shoulder, but uh, outside of that, I'm I'm excited to hear all that. Uh, so, Forrest, what about what about from your perspective? What have your thoughts been in the days and weeks after that, and where you think things are going to go from here? Yeah, so you know, immediately the next day after the hunt, it was um, I, it was about two and a half hour drive from where I live, from where Backcourty is, and in West Michigan, and uh, from there it was how do, how do I get this thing processed? There's a processor in, in the nearby town, but I didn't want to drive two and a half hours back, you know, to, if I didn't have to, to pick up a, my process here. And, um, you know, that was another thing that I wasn't really expecting to have to kind of work through, um, was, okay, I'm at, I, I just, I just harvested a deer. It's in the back of my car. I'm in a hotel room by myself. Um, it's late. What do I do tomorrow morning with this beer? <laughs> you know, um, luckily, uh, Xavier Austin gave me, uh, a recommendation to a processor back, um, uh, in West Michigan, closer to where I live and, um, bringing that deer to the processor, meeting the processor, um, telling him about the experience. And it was just, it was a feeling of elation still. And, 
almost like uh, I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It was just it was lingering um, joy. And um, you know, immediately after that, it was it was how do I what's the best way to cook this? Um, wonder how much what my yield is going to be, how much meat I'm going to get. Um, is my wife going to like to eat venison or my kids going to like to eat venison? And so my mind shifted to kind of like the, the, con, the consuming part of it. Mm-hmm. And um, after getting the deer back um, and bringing it home and um, I had the, uh, I had the processor keep the hide for me. Cause I said, I, you know, I know the tie flies. I like to tie some flies with this to commemorate, you know, the, the event and like, Oh yeah. And, I walked in with the, with the box of meat and um, my wife was there in the kitchen and I had the hide wrapped up in the back and she, she had this big smile on her face and she went up and touched the, the hide on, on, the, um, on my shoulder. And she's like, Oh, that's such a great blanket. Did you get that for me? I said, like, no, this is the deer hide. <laughs> like, okay. I'm good with this. And uh, I told her all about it, but I was, it was a really neat feeling to have the kids come around and be like, Oh my God, dad shot a deer. There it is. And have them see that and have, have that, um, that additional like joy kind of come into life that this is a really cool thing, not just for me that, you know, other people are, are into it too. And so, you know, moving forward, have, have cooked some things. Evan has helped me. It's great that he knows so much about culinary things. So when I'm like, hey, need quick question on what's the por- what's the fat to meat ratio if I want to do that, that kind of thing. And so we've been keeping in touch, Evan and I, uh, through a bunch of text messages. And then just last night, I think I had another <laughs> cooking question for him as, as um, I'm getting ready to do the uh, a tenderloin meal and. Um, I said, Hey, can we just talk? <laughs> so last night we talked for over an hour about what we're going to do next. That's awesome. So really, really excited already again, you know, for, for, um, for the next, the next thing. And, and looking forward to, uh, giving back as working with the, with the program again next fall and helping out where needed and, and that kind of thing. So, um, pretty much immediate next actions are kind of like by the book, like, Hey, let's start scouting. Let's, figure out what tools we need. Let's start putting some dates out there. Let's, you know, and that kind of thing. So I think, I think you guys kicked us off. We're, we're off and running. Yeah. Ah, I'm like a proud dad <laughs> sitting over here, just smiling <laughs> yeah. from ear to ear. <laughs> uh, I, I got to tell you, I mean, it, uh, you talk about that joy that's lingering, you know, that you mentioned force and, and I'm feeling the same thing over here and I, and I can't, emphasize enough for anybody listening that is a current hunter just how much fun it is to help other people in this kind of way i mean it's it's just as satisfying and exciting and um fulfilling as being on the other side so uh, i i thank you both for for taking a shot and taking a chance to pursue this thing thanks for the the courage to explore this new pursuit and and then for following through with it and sharing your experience now and for committing to, to helping other people in the future. I just think it's, it's incredible. And you have both helped re-energize me and help remind me of why I do what I do. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, as, as mentees of Mark, 
as I, as I mentioned back in December and it, it didn't pan out this year, but I, I do this and I will do this as mentees of Mark. You are an exclusive club that does have invitations to future hunts on my properties. I hunt here in Michigan. I'm going to get a mentee group hunt together. I think we should try to make it happen this year where we can all get out and hunt one of my spots that I still hunt and, uh, see if we can all get back, get nostalgic about all of our early hunts together and, uh, and do it all over again. So, uh, let's make that happen. All right. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's hey. unbelievable. I'll, I'll, I'll do the food. I pork, like it. Pork, pork that I'll take care. <laughs> that sounds good. Absolutely. Hank, Hank, do you have any final words you want to leave us with? I really don't. I think, uh, I think they've said it. I mean, um, their testimonials are a lot more than, um, I could ever convey to anybody, but, um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you being a part of the program. I'm, I'm glad we found you and, um, and I appreciate you taking your time to, to tell your stories here. Absolutely. And thank you, Hank. All right. Yeah. And of course, Mark and, and the rest of the crew, we can't thank you enough. Uh, this wouldn't have happened without your generosity. So thank you. Well, you are all very, very welcome. It's been, uh, it's been my pleasure. It's been our pleasure. It's been a cliche to say, but it's been, uh, it's been our privilege. It's been very, very, (laughs) very, very cool. So with that. One thing I should say is we did film these hunts as we alluded to, and uh, we will be releasing uh, this content in the coming uh, months. I kind of so forgot about we, that. What's the yeah. game? What's the game yeah. plan? Is this going to be like, what are you, what are you putting together? Like, can you give us so any kind I of preview? I need you guys to be, uh, just, you know, hitting Mark, the other Mark, you know, um, no, no, but, uh, <laughs> we wanted to, uh, you know, kind of show the process, you know, we've, we've done it before, but it was a unique opportunity and, um, an opportunity to kind of highlight, um, a community based field to fork and, and so we wanted to document the program and, and tell and show what we've done and hopefully inspire others just like this uh, this podcast we hope does. So we're just going to put out some summary content and uh, and use some of the educational bits that we recorded in the uh, in the you know in betweens of the hunts. But um, but we're looking forward to getting that content out and letting the world see it. Very cool. I look forward to that as well. Forrest, Evan, Hank, appreciate you taking the time here today. Let's all get together and chat again sometime soon, all right? Sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, and that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. I'll just reiterate what Hank said. Please go to the National Deer Association website and find out more if you want to become a participant in the Field to Fork program. You can be mentored by folks like we talked about today. Or on the flip side, if you want to be a mentor and there is a need for more people like you and I to help out, please do. I tell you from my perspective as a mentor, it's one of the absolute best things I did last year and the year prior and the year prior to that. It's it's just as rewarding, if not more rewarding for us as the mentor. I'm telling you, I'm not bullshitting you. You're going to enjoy it. So go ahead and give a little time, give a day or two. I think you will absolutely not regret it. So check it out. Go to the National Deer Association website to learn more. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe out there. And until next time, stay wired to hunt.
outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.